Pastor Ed Taylor uncovers a common ploy of our enemy. One of the devices of Satan is for you to be convinced either externally or internally to not forgive, but to hold on in bitterness. That is a device that has taken out plenty of believers. And lest you think that you're immune to this, let me just say, we're all going to be faced, and some of us more than others, with the temptation to not forgive, to become bitter, and all the things that come with it. You got to throw the cross in it, man. This is amazing grace. This is They are three of the hardest words for many to say, but some of the most powerful when you do say and mean them. I forgive you. Why do we have such a hard time forgiving someone else, especially in light of all that God has forgiven us of? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll discover how to deal with the wrongs in our lives and find the freedom in forgiveness. So if you're really struggling to forgive that person who has really hurt you, this is something you really need to hear. Before we turn back to 2 Corinthians 2, Pastor Ed Taylor visits Luke 17. Jesus would say this in Luke chapter 17, verse 3. He said, Take heed to yourselves. If the brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, I'll tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, rebuke him again. <laughs> Some of you even memorize this. You know what it says. It doesn't say if a brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he, if, you know, if he repents, rebuke him again. It says if he repents, forgive him. That's what it says. How many relationships, it leads me to think, how many relationships today are still in tatters? Number one, because the person's unrepentant. You're so ready to forgive. And you have forgiven in your heart, like you've let it go. But in order to build a relationship, there needs to be repentance. You know, that's where forgiveness comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. Restoration of relationship, that requires repentance. It's really hard to restore it with someone that continues to hurt you or continues to sin against you or whatever. So forgiveness flows from the work of the Spirit. Restoration comes through repentance and brokenness. So I wonder how many relationships, even represented by the folks right now, the listening in right now, that are broken because there's a lack of repentance on your part. Where you just like, just come to your senses and, and be broken before the Lord. It's not their fault. Just take responsibility for what your part is and just take your responsibility. And I wonder what kind of floodgate would open if you're holding back the flood of forgiveness by your unrepentance. And it's hindering, you know, it's hindering your relationship with that other person. It might be hindering your relationship with the church, but it's definitely hindering your relationship with the Lord. There could be so much more clarity and power and so much more of an open conduit of the Holy Spirit by simply humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God and then making that phone call, 
knocking on that door, reaching out and saying, bro, let's talk and let's take care of this. And man, I understand. I'm sorry, man. Will you forgive me? If your brother repents, the Bible says, forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive him. Forgiveness is such a tricky thing. It is so difficult at times. It should be so easy, but because of emotions and pains and thoughts and memories, forgiveness becomes really tricky and rather difficult at times. And what it requires is a conscious surrender of your life and your will and your issue to the Lord. It requires that you and I, we die to ourselves. That we no longer hold on to our rights. That we no longer hold on to our opinions. And here's what happens. You get, here's what gets a little tricky. When you step out in that vulnerability, you're thinking that you're yielding yourself to the other person. You're not. You're yielding yourself to the truthfulness of the Lord and he'll protect you as you take care of your side of the matter. But what is holding on to all the unforgiveness doing for you? How's it been? You've been having fun in those sleepless nights? Getting a lot of extra work done in the middle of the night because you can't sleep for day after day after day? How's the unforgiveness working when you purposely avoid that person? You have to change your plans, <laughs> your schedule, your driving route, your job, your whatever. Because you, not them. This is such an important topic over the last many, many years of our church that we have at every service and on our website, up at calvaryaurora.org, we have this little pamphlet on forgiveness and reconciliation. And we had a bunch of them printed up extra today for this very purpose, because we're touching on the topic, that I would encourage you to get it. Take it. If you need it right now, then really take it. If you don't need it right now, really take it because one day you will. And it, it's a simple study, just a few pages, from one of our uh, brothers that uh, serves in San Diego. We've had him out for some training and such here that put together this little pamphlet, this little Bible study. It just takes you through a few scriptures, like defining forgiveness, reconciliation, all that, so that you can equip yourself to be a forgiver and not held by bitterness in the past. We have Bible studies up on our website. You can search for forgiveness and how to deal with your past so that you can be free from this. That's what Paul's telling the church here. Let the brother back in, man. It's done. Let him back in. He's repentant. He's broken. You go, Ed, what if he's not repentant? What if he's not broken? Pray. But don't hold on to unforgiveness. Can I get an amen on that one too? All right, I just want to make sure. It's like, pray, amen, don't forget. I mean, don't hold on to forgiveness. I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, of course, they go big together because when you hold on to unforgiveness, it will become bitterness, and bitterness will become a root in your life, and you're just going to be a bitter person. And the Bible says bitter people defile everyone around them. 
And that's what happens. Remember not too, in our study not too long ago, well, many years ago, we were studying the, the Exodus as the children of Israel coming out of, out of Egypt and they come to the waters of Mara. Mara meaning bitterness. They came to bitter waters. They tasted the water, it was bitter. They were thirsty. And the water, they saw it wasn't a mirage, it was. It was water ready to be satisfied. It was water ready to quench the thirst. It was water, as we've seen so many times in our Bible studies, represented it. A clean, fresh, flowing water represents the Spirit of God in our lives, the Word of God in our lives, and how ugly the water of the Word is when we mix it with bitterness. That some of even the best scriptures that we read mixed in bitterness make no spiritual sense to us because we misinterpret them in light of our bitterness. We need to take, like, our, you know, like we got glasses of bitterness on. We got to take them off so we can see it purely. And so they come to the waters of Mara and they're so thirsty and they get the water and it tastes disgusting because it was so bitter. It didn't satisfy. It promised so much and brought so little satisfaction. And so what do they do? They get mad at Moses, which was normal for them. <laughs> you brought us to the waters of Mara, and they're bitter and it's nasty. And Moses, as he so often did, cried out to the Lord, and he was shown a tree. And he was to take that tree and he was to throw it into the waters. And by throwing the tree into the waters, the waters would become pure. And that's exactly what he did. And once the tree was thrown into the water, once the tree made contact with the water, that simple act of obedience became a picture and a type for all of us into eternity. Because that tree was representative of no simple tree. That tree was representative of the tree that Jesus Christ would hang on himself to deal with the end of bitterness in all of our hearts, in all of our lives, if we will simply come to the cross, how can you and I stand at the cross of Jesus with any pride in our hearts, <laughs> any sense of self-satisfaction? How can we stand before the very place of our forgiveness, the place where our Savior was beaten, was whipped, was ripped apart, was, was mocked and ridiculed, an innocent man. How can we stand there on our own self-sufficiency with our own reasons? How can we stand there? How can we stand there, period, without bowing our lives down, face down, Humbly accepting the gift of salvation, saying, thank you, Jesus. You have forgiven me. I will now go and forgive. That's what he tells the church, not just the people, but the leadership. Hey, repentance and brokenness, come back. Please, please, church, take this topic of forgiveness seriously. That is the only way to deal with the wrongs in our lives that will produce spiritual fruit in our lives. Everything else is rotten, nasty, rotten. I already said that. Whatever. I can't think of any other words. You think of a few in your own mind. Wretched fruit. I did think of another one. 
I get this picture, you know, my grandmother, when she was still alive many years ago, we would visit my grandmother, and she would have on the table there this beautiful-looking fruit in a, you know, crystal little thing on the, on the table. And, you know, you could tell. You could tell it wasn't real. But you had to get up really close to it. When you walk in and you're hungry, you'll eat anything, especially as a kid. And I even did as a kid. I tried to eat one of the little grapes, even though I knew it was fake. And I tried to chew that thing. And it, because I had, here's my thinking, just so you know I'm not weird. Here's my thinking. I, we used to have that wax, uh, those wax lips and stuff that you could chew. And so I figured if you could do it with wax lips, you can do it with grandma's grapes. What difference does it make, you know? Well, you can't, all right? And that's what, a, that's what bitterness does to believers. It looks like they have fruit because they say all the right things or they're in the right places or, you know, that brother knows the word or, you know, he can quote scripture. Yeah, but when you get really, really close, you find out it's just plastic. It's just wax. It's not enjoyable. Man, I, I want to drink from the waters of this brother because, man, he's been around and, and, and I want to be with this sister because she just seems to have counsel. But when you get up close and you begin to take of the waters, they're Mara. They're bitter. And I'll tell you what, that brother, that sister, hasn't been to the cross in a long time or the waters wouldn't be so bitter. It's real convicting, isn't it? Because that brother, that sister could be us. I'm not asking you to think of a bunch of names in your, oh, I think, yeah, Ed, I know what you're talking about. I'm going to call him Waxy from now on, man. No, 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 no. This is for you. This is for you. You can look around and go, oh, that brother's so fruitful. But the closer you get, oh, man, I got bitter, bitter, not helpful. It just doesn't taste good. I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't taste good. It's not helpful. It's not edifying. It's not what Paul said. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Or do you want Mara, bitterness, nastiness, wretchedness, wax, nasty-tasting water? that brings no fruit and no nourishment. No, that's what, here it is. This is how, you know, if there's repentance and there's brokenness, Paul says, let the brother back in. Why? Because if you and I are stuck in unforgiveness, we are attacked. We have bit the, the we have taken the, the bait, bit the bait of his one of the devices of Satan. One of the devices of Satan is for you to be convinced either externally or internally to not forgive, but to hold on in bitterness. That is a device that has taken out plenty of believers that were once, we were, we, we have them in our lives. We have them. We want sharing sweet counsel together. And then something happened. And lest you think that you're immune to this, let me just say, we're all going to be faced, and some of us more than others, with the temptation to not forgive, to become bitter, and all the things that come with it. You got to throw the cross in it, man. 
get the tree and throw it into the waters of Mara. Let the work of Jesus, let his finished perfect work deliver you from this device of Satan, unforgiveness. The word forgiveness, it simply means, the, the word comes from, the, in the Greek language, it speaks of a release of debt. It speaks of letting someone, let, releasing the debt. Isn't that exactly what God has done to you and me through Jesus Christ? He's released the debt and the penalty of sin in our lives. He's released us. And forgiveness means you release someone. You don't rehearse the situation, you release them. You see the difference? Well, what do you mean, Ed, rehearse? Well, you keep bringing it up, you keep bringing it up, you can't stop talking about it, you can't stop thinking about it, you can't stop making it a defining moment, you release, you release. But I was hurt, I know, it's an act of mercy. But they really, I know you're being merciful, but they really deserve, I know you're not giving them what they deserve. It's mercy. Let the brother back in. He's repentant. He's broken. But Ed, what about when they're not repentant? When they're not broken? Well, then we wait. We don't hold, withhold forgiveness, but we wait for that. And if God, if God has worked in your heart to forgive, believe me, he can work in their heart to break them. Think about that. But I don't want to forgive. <laughs> what else don't you want to do? Add that to the list for your own prayer life. Forgive, release, so that you're no longer bound. Bitterness. It really just messes you up, doesn't it? It doesn't mess the other person up. They don't, they're not thinking of you. They're not waking up in the morning. They're not losing sleep over you, but you sure are losing sleep over them. Could it be that bitterness has bound you up and it's become a foothold in your life? You remember back when we were studying and looking at the life of Ruth. God was ready to do such a great work, a brand new, fresh work in her and her mother-in-law. Remember Naomi? They come back to town and it's such a joyous occasion. I know it was a tough sorrowful situation in the loss of a loved one. Anyone that's lost a close loved one knows there's great time of grieving and mourning and sorrow, and it can grip a person. But God's about ready to do something fresh and something new, and Naomi comes to town, and everyone's so excited. It's such a great, awesome time, but she's not quite there still a little bit of work that God wants to do. And she's so bound up with pain and anguish in her heart. She's got so much going on in her life that she doesn't even want to be called by her name. She wants to be called by her feelings. Just call me Mara. Sometimes you feel like that, I know. Maybe it's not bitterness, you just like, you don't want to be called by your name, you just call me angry. All right, like the seven dwarfs, man. Don't call me a name, just call me a dumb name. Goofy, sneezy, whatever they are, call me angry. But God, he has saved you from the devices of the devil. 
He's delivered us. He's even delivered us above our feelings so that our feelings can be overcome through obedience, so that we can take every thought unto the captivity of Jesus Christ, unto obedience, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not human, but they're mighty in God for the bringing down of strongholds, casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the name of God. The Spirit teaching us how to take every thought unto captivity of the obedience of Jesus Christ. You may feel like you're so far that there's no recovery for you, and I want you to know that's not true. I want you to know that there is forgiveness, and it could just be a simple word like Paul said. Hey, forgive and comfort. Forgive and comfort. Just go forgive and comfort. Unforgiveness. Satan is able to attack us with our emotions, use them against us. Always a spiritual battle raging in our lives. And you know, you never really want to meet Satan in the flesh. You're destined to lose. But you need to meet him in the spirit. So you can overcome the weaknesses of the flesh, the proclivities of the flesh, the, what we tend to do and where we tend to lean. And of all the things, you know, the Satan's an accuser of the brethren, he's a liar, he loved, he's a destroyer, all the things that you could go through the scriptures of all the tactics and the schemes. I believe it's the Lord would have us just to go home today with just one, and that is unforgiveness. Be careful of unforgiveness. Be careful so that Satan, verse 11, wouldn't take advantage of us because we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant. We know this is one now where you can recognize the device. You can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And then after that resistance, there's a rejoicing in the victory, the joy of victory, where I release. I release. I don't... I don't hold anything, and I hope the brother, I hope the sister's repentant, because I sure would love to have a relationship again, but I can say this, I don't hold it against you. It was wrong, I wish it didn't happen. I mean, put yourself just for a second on the other end, and it was you. It was you that did it. And someone's withholding forgiveness right now to you. It's a pretty painful thing, isn't it? And so now that we know now that we understand, unforgiveness can be a tactic dividing believers, crippling churches. Paul says, forgive them, because I do too. Forgive him. There's freedom and victory. There is power in this. Well, that's, the, that's where we're going to head next time in our study. You know, from, from forgiveness now, he takes, you, he takes you right into verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. It kind of goes together, and we'll get into that next time. Today on Abounding Grace, we brought you a portion of our study in 2 Corinthians. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher. 
Would you like to hear this again? If so, just pay us a visit online at calvaryco.church. You'll find an archive of messages right there. You can also listen through our apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. We have an excellent resource we'd like to get into your hands called the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling. We all face problems, big and small, and the Bible has the answers. But where do we find them? That's where this quick scripture reference can come in handy as it covers a wide range of subjects many deal with, from anxiety to divorce, forgiving others, work or prayer. It works well in counseling situations too, as you'll be able to find pertinent messages to help you share God's word with a friend when they need it most. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Please remember this ministry is made possible through the support of listeners, and we're grateful for whatever the Lord leads you to do. It would be great to hear from you during these summer months. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Glad you've taken time out for our study in 2 Corinthians. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.